0: This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio.
0: At Gallant Says on Twitter. Texting to the show at 710 710.
1: Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on this Friday. Friday, gotta get down on a blue Friday, August 27th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. The Seahawks wrap up their preseason Tomorrow night against the Los Angeles Chargers. Hopefully we will see some starters play in that game. Not going to lie, though. I'm not that enthusiastic for the game. I'm more so looking for the Seattle Mariners to take care of business against a Kansas City Royals team that they are better than. Not by a whole lot. we got to be honest on that front. Kansas City's playing pretty well. late, And while the Mariners are, too, I don't think there's a massive chasm that separates the two teams that... We hope to eventually see. They're young. They're getting better. Blah, 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 blah. But last night in particular was frustrating because you had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. You had three. First inning, you draw 38 pitches from the Royal starting pitcher. You have the bases loaded with two outs at the end of the inning. Jared Keldnick takes a third strike. You get out of the inning only having scored one run. A little bit earlier in that inning, Mitch Haniger he is running home, and I don't know that he should have been sent home. He gets gunned down at the plate after a really nice relay throw and a beautiful play at the plate by Salvador Perez. So that's the first opportunities that were wasted by the Mariners, who can't afford to waste them because they are not a team that on a regular basis is going to score a whole lot of runs. Then, in the fourth inning, The bases are loaded again. Two outs. They get nothing out of it. The sixth inning, which is where the whole thing fell apart. Runners at first and third with zero outs. They score zero runs. The Royals deserve credit for their defense. The Royals deserve credit for being a resilient team. But you should have won last night's game. The opportunities were there. And this feels like one of those games that you're going to be looking back at at the end of the regular season, and wondering what could have been if you're on the outside looking in at the playoffs. I don't think any of us necessarily are 100% expecting the playoffs, but, you know, we're in the midst of a pennant race and a wild card race. Everyone's taking a look not just at the games that are unfolding right here in Seattle or when the M's are on the road, those games. We're also keeping an eye on New York series against Oakland. And New York that added Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, they take care of business against the A's and continue to be red hot. Boston ends up winning, so they put another game between them and you for that second wild card spot. Things are not in a spot where you can afford to lose very many games against teams like the likes. Uh teams like the likes. Teams like Kansas City. You only have a set amount of games. Against mediocre teams the rest of the way. You got to take advantage of as many as possible. So I, I really do think that if the Mariners want to keep pace, they got to win every single game this weekend, whether it's at sing along night tonight or uh, Funko Pop night on Saturday. Hey, look, you could get this. It's a moose. You're one of those people. You collect them. I, I sort of started collecting them. I have a problem. I used to have a bunch of beanie babies and. They all disappeared. And I wonder, as I got rid of all these Beanie Babies because we moved into a smaller house, I wonder if I threw millions of dollars down the drain.
2: Ooh, that's tough.
1: I know, Mora. Some people are probably wondering right now, Paul, why did you throw them out? I wouldn't have to listen <laughs> to you every single day. It's a great question. <laughs> I want to shift into today's question of the show, though. Today's question of the day. Should the Mariners pick up Yusei Kikuchi's option? at the end of the year, and it's a tricky option because he has an option, essentially, if the Mariners decline to pick it up, that he can stay with the Mariners for one more season getting paid $16 million. But if the Mariners pick up the option for him going forward, which would be a four-year $66 million extension through 2025, when he will be 34 years old, you got to know that he is the guy that you were hoping for when you brought him from Japan. And at the beginning of the season, it looked like he finally was the guy that you were waiting for. The lefty with filthy stuff that wasn't afraid of hitters. And then that game against the New York Yankees happened. And he just didn't look confident. And I don't want to make too much out of one game, but since that game, we've seen his ERA balloon from... 3.18 to 4.33. He's allowed at least three earned runs in all but two of his starts since July 7th against New York. Including seven runs uh, against both LA and Houston. And he's made it through six innings over that stretch just twice. Four years, $66 million. That's not a ton of money for a starting left-handed pitcher who has been a contributor for you. But it is... Not chump change either, especially when you take a look at what Kyle Seager has been giving you over the entirety of his contract. Do you want to tie yourself to a big-time contract when you're not necessarily getting the best returns on your investment? We're at a point right now where, I mean, Marco Gonzalez is delivering for you in the starting rotation. Chris Flexen is on a regular basis. Logan Gilbert has been running into some issues of late, but Tyler Anderson has been consistent too. Kikuchi needs to be consistent, and this has been the biggest problem for him his entire career. And in last night's game, after five innings of lights-out work, I believe less than 60 pitches to get through those five innings, he ran into trouble in the sixth. He ended up loading the bases, and with a run scored, Scott Service said, all right, I'm going to take him out. Because Salvador Perez was at the plate. He's one of the best hitters in the American League. Joe Smith comes in, he steps on the hill, and unfortunately, this is what happens.
0: Smith comes out of the chest, he deals. Swing, and it's hammered, and the Royals are taking the lead. Salvador Perez mashes a grand slam that hits off the
1: electronic out-of-town scoreboard in left field. A mammoth grand slam by Salvador Perez, who's trotting around the base paths with one
0: swing. He has put Kansas City in front 5-4 to in the top of the sixth.
1: You can hear the whoa in Goldie's voice there. And, I mean, he he wailed on it. So, it's one of those moments where maybe you're wondering, hey, does Scott Service actually have faith in the starting pitcher? Because you know what's supposed to happen there, even if the inning was a disaster to that point for Kikuchi. Don't you trust one of your best pitchers to get one of the best hitters in the American League out? I know I don't at this point in time. A Japanese reporter asked Scott Service if he still has trust. In Yusei Kikuchi, it was a blunt question, and Service answered it back in blunt fashion.
0: Time out, time out, time out. No, okay. that's not the case at all. Okay, so don't don't try to put those words in my mouth. You say has been really good for us, very consistent. Their best hitter is coming to the plate with the bases loaded. Okay, in the sixth inning of the ball game, so we put what I thought was our best matchup and our best pitcher into the game at that point. Okay. You did a nice job to get us to that point. It was not a matchup that, you know, I thought was very favorable for us at the time with you say back out there with Salvador Perez, who, who does have 34 runs, brought Joe Smith in. He made a mistake and he hit a home run. That happens. Okay. But don't put words in my mouth. That's not fair.
1: I like how feisty he was there. And this is yet another reason where I think that service should get an extension because that's the kind of stuff that the clubhouse loves. You want to have a guy who sticks up for you, who is a bulldog for you, but at the same time, we've got to talk about an extension for Say Kikuchi. Kikuchi should be able to work his way out of those situations, and right now, he's going through something. Whatever it is, I hope that he's able to pull out of it by the end of the year, but if he's not, what's the decision that you make? Do you decide to let him say, okay, well, if you want to pick up the player option, fine, or... If you want to test the market, fine. Is he going to get more than four years and $66 million on the open market? He could, but teams have been rather cheap of late. And I think that a lot of teams probably wonder, from a confidence perspective, is this the kind of guy who has filthy stuff? Is he the kind of guy that on a nightly basis can go in there and be just a complete dominant force? He has the talent to do it. There's just something missing, and at least of late. And he's got to be able to tap back into whatever it was. So here's hoping it does. But at this point in time, I don't want to pick up that option. Four years and $66 million. That's a lot of money. And while you might, might be able to, you might not be able to find a, a better alternative. Do you want to stick with something Someone that isn't what he could be. That is someone that's always going to be like, wow, there's a flicker. There's a flicker of what he could be, but it's it's so rare that we see it. It's so inconsistent. For me personally, I would say no to that. 710710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can tweet in at Galant says, the text at 710710. Paul, if Grayman was here pitching, we would have won. Eh, I don't know about that. Are you going to throw Kendall Grayman into that spot in the sixth inning? Maybe. I mean, Scott Service has not really cared about when he puts in a reliever, and I do like that element of it. But for any reliever, Joe Smith included, you're coming in there and you're facing Salvador Perez, it's probably not going to go great. You know, you're hoping that you can get a double play out of it. But anything more than that, good luck. That guy's a great hitter. So I I don't know that anybody coming in in that spot, even Paul Sewald, necessarily gives you a better result. 710 uh, 710. Paul, the Mariners really need to stop having the next two guys strike out when they have a runner on third with no outs. Almost 65% of the time they have done that. Got to fix that up. I don't know if that's an actual statistic, but I agree with you. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710 710 is the back of Jack's Brewery Company. Text on you. can tweet me at Galan. Says you can watch the show. 710sports.com slash videos. The 710 app is how you can listen. You can also listen on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa, play 710 ESPN Seattle. This hour of the Paul Galan show is brought to you by. Advanced hair restoration. But right now, it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by King's Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. What is up, Maura?
2: Hey, Paul. Happy Friday.
1: Happy Friday. Friday. Got to get down on oh, Friday. Oh, no. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Well, I'm not dancing yeah, to I'm it with cool. my amazing dance moves.
2: <laughs> which you... Got so many compliments on at the wedding you went to you last missed, weekend, right? y-
1: You're the most sarcastic, like one of the most sarcastic people I know, <laughs> and you missed a golden you know opportunity what? to stuff me in a locker there.
2: I don't think that I am I think you you bring it out in me for some reason.
1: It's because You we, invite it. We're both from we are both from a specific part of the country where that is like it, smiled upon, but we leave and you start to lose your fastball a little bit.
2: Yeah. Maybe that is what it is.
1: I think that's what it you is. You bring
2: out that East Coast side of me. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Hopefully you don't mind.
1: No, I love it. I love it. Please <laughs> roast me. Everyone and everyone listening wants to roast me, so please That's do true. it. You
2: do invite it every day for everyone, not yes. just me. Yes. All right, first up, the Seahawks starters are expected to finally get some playing time in the third and final preseason game. Pete Carroll spoke earlier this week on the differences that he wants to see.
0: Talking about finishing now you know this is finish the preseason we want to do the things and get in that mode uh that that helps us you know start to train ourselves about the kind of focus that it takes to finish well and so this is a week that we use for for that uh that operation or, uh, of, of that whole you know mechanism for us um so regardless of you know the whole point about finishing it doesn't matter what just happened before it's what are you gonna do now and so that's what this week is about um, I'd like to see us play a lot cleaner, you know, at the line of scrimmage and with the football. The last week was a disastrous day with the football, and and we had five penalties at the line of scrimmage. So that's we need to get out of our own way, and and that needs to show up this week if we're going to make good progress on the game field.
1: The D word concerns me because I don't want guys to get hurt. And Ben Burkirvin and uh, John Ursua getting hurt against the Broncos that that is something that is in the back of my mind. Something I don't want to happen to any of the Seahawks starters. So.
2: It's tough though. It wasn't for Kervin's non contact. Yeah. I mean, that could have happened at any point.
1: You're right. And that's. But you're
2: almost like. I know it doesn't make it better, but it just. I don't. I just. It doesn't matter if it's the preseason or regular season, is all I'm saying.
1: That's that's true, Moore. It could, it could happen at any point in time, but I would hope that no one on the sideline is going to tear their ACL randomly, oh, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, my God, that would be the worst thing. How long do you think we'll see the starters? I think it's going to be, like, three series. I don't think it's going to be an entire half. I like, yeah, I hope, I, I kind of, okay, You. I kind of want to be wrong, but I also don't. It's weird. I'm in a weird spot, like. I hate watching these meaningless games. I'll be perfectly honest. You know, it's 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 a taste. And if I'm gonna watch them, I do want to see the offense in there, especially because, good God, they have been awful on offense thus far in the preseason. And I know they're not putting the starters out there. It's not a it's not a major concern. But my God, they can't even they can't even get a first down. Like seriously. <sighs> so, I'm not gonna act like this is an indictment on Shane Waldron or anything like that, or it's an indictment on the offense that they haven't played thus far. Or if they don't play that much in this game, and if they play in that game and they struggle too, it, there's not a lot of judgments to come out of it with. But I, I'm I'm nervous about putting starters in. You do not want anyone to get hurt.
2: Stop jinxing it.
1: I'm a coward. Yeah, I am jinxing it, aren't I? All right, what's up next, Mora?
2: All right, there are reportedly some signs of life as far as a contract uh, extension, or, well, just contract talks. I don't know if it'll end up being an extension uh, between Dwayne Brown and the Seahawks. Uh, Here's something that Mike Yarra from the NFL Network suggested.
0: What could happen in
1: the short term, from what I gather uh, from sources, is that the Seahawks are going to maybe try to get creative to sweeten this year, the last year remaining on the deal. He's scheduled to make $10 million in base salary. But on top of that, he's got a little bit more in incentives, playing time, pro ball, those types of things. So maybe you can play with that money a little bit. We've seen teams do that before, not add years to the deal, but basically uh, sweeten whatever is left on the deal. So we'll see. Perhaps that would be a way for the Seahawks and Brown to end this as we start to get really close to the start of the regular season. I'm hopeful. That sounds like something that's a pretty easy fix. I do think, though, that it might give you a little less wiggle room to potentially sign someone like Geno Atkins or KJ Wright. So this is, I don't think, something you need to necessarily rush. But to consider it, I think it's smart. And if I were doing it, I would involve an extra year because I think that you don't have an alternative at left tackle next season. Give Dwayne Brown an incentive to play another year, even if he was considering retirement last season. And also make sure that you still have enough space to make whatever last-minute free agency signing you're going to make. There's going to be a bunch of cuts. Some of them are going to be surprise cuts, too, that you have to remember that are going to come after this weekend. And I, I, I don't think you want to necessarily burn any of that space until you definitively know that there's no one available that you might want.
2: And then their other hold-in, the latest on Quandre Diggs, is that he tweeted yesterday, can't deny me what I deserve.
1: I agree with him. I I just wonder what it is that he thinks he deserves. Honestly, I believe he's a really good safety. He plays center field. Excellent. He is a guy that comes up and can lay people out. I, I think he's a very complete safety, despite being a rather smaller safety. So... I want to see him get money. I just wonder if he's looking for like $12 million plus, And if that's something that the Seahawks want to invest in another safety after having just paid Jamal Adams $70 million over the next four years. We'll see what happens. But I do think that Diggs is going to be out there week one. I'm Paul Galant. This is the Paul Galant Show. That's what's trending with Mora Dooley brought to you by King's Heating and Air every single morning at 1015-206-421-3776. That's how you call in. You can text in 2 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Text line 710-710. Our coverage of training camp is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. And don't forget, you know, because this Funko Pop. You also got fireworks night tonight. I'm going to be out there. I'm not sure what I'm going to be wearing yet. Oh, that's right. Teal because I am a teal person and the Mariners should be wearing teal 12 and one wear it the rest of the way common sense anyway it's time for you to be heard
0: your voice your, voice. your opinions it's time to be heard, be heard. every day at 10 15 with Paul Gallant be heard. be heard Paul shut up
1: you know zero about football and less about baseball please let more adults be do your show. She's so much better. More, you want to do the rest of the show? It's Friday. I kind of want to check out.
2: I I cannot talk for a full hour, guys. It's it's harder than you think.
1: Well, what if we're talking about <laughs> Tim Tebow?
2: Um, I mean, I could probably fill a good 20 minutes ranting about that. Yeah.
1: I think you could definitely do that. Text in 710710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Paul, I think the Astros sent Joe Smith to take our team out of the pennant race. What, like he's some sort of Trojan horse? No, this is a guy that has a lot of veteran experience as a reliever. We heard when Jared Kelnick was on with us on Danny and Gallant that Smith's been a really welcome addition to the pitching staff. And not just the pitching staff, but also just a guy that a lot of the younger players are turning to and looking at as, I guess, a rock in the same way that Kendall Graveman was. So that's an interesting theory. But I know it's a non serious one. It's not Joe Smith's fault what happened last night. It's it's Kikuchi's fault for getting the Mariners into that situation. And that is the question of today's show. Should the Mariners extend you say Kikuchi, 710 710, that's the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. Someone suggested that you bring back James Paxton in the rotation next year. That's possible. But I mean, at this point with James Paxton, and I love the Maple Grove, I like James Paxton a lot. But aren't you expecting an injury to happen at this point? I mean, it's been a lot. The guys, it's just been completely unfortunate. And I don't go as far as some people will. I get triggered when people call athletes glass. They don't have any control over what happens to them. There are some people with more of a pain tolerance threshold than others. But with Paxton, it's been like legit injury after injury. That's not someone that you can count on next year. Text in, no, Yusei Kikuchi isn't that sturdy of a pitcher. Mediocre pitcher at best. I think he's a little more than mediocre. His stuff is good. He could be a good reliever. I'm tired of the Mariners always going for second-class pitchers. Why not spend some money and go after some real pitchers instead of a belly itcher? Oh, got him. Jeez. Uh, I don't think that there are that many available, though, that are going to look at you this offseason with a whole lot of interest. Someone had brought up actually this week the, the idea of, you know, signing someone like Chris Bryant in the offseason. You're going to have to pay him a lot. I don't know if anyone saw this piece in The Athletic about the kind of deal that Carlos Correa, shortstop for the Astros, had been offered, and he turned it down. And he's basically saying at this point in time, yeah, I'm not going back to the Astros this year. If he's turning down a deal like that, and you're seeing these $300 million contracts out there as well, for some of these players in a really loaded free agency class, that's how far the Mariners might have to go to sign some of these guys. And obviously, you know, they got completely blindsided when A-Rod got that ridiculous contract from the Texas Rangers back in the day. They didn't know that that was going to happen. Texas was just like, yeah, let's, let's just do the most Texas thing possible. Spend a ton of money on, on the best player and, and, and see what happens. Oh, wait, we're going to get rid of him in a couple of years. But that's, I think, something that the Mariners are going to have to consider. If they want to play free agency, they're going to have to give Je- uh, Jerry Depoto a-, a really big bag of money to work with. And I can understand hesitance on that front. 206-421-3776, that is how you call in to the Paul Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. It's our guy, Robert in Kingsgate. Robert, happy Friday.
0: Hey, Paul. Um, happy Friday to you and Laura. Um, I, I really truthfully don't think that Kikuchi is gonna come back and I, I hope the same thing for Jerry DePoto that he doesn't come back either. Why? Again, you know he has not proven that he can build a team that consistently go out there and produce. <laughs> Look at the three prospects that we are supposedly hyped up about. Kyle Lewis, he can't stay healthy. I get that, Robert, but got, they're winning in spite of those guys. I know, Brandon I know you're going to bring up Evan White Kalnick. and Kellner. He can't hit, and then you got Evan White. He can't hit. But I, to say but that he can't, how come you guys come up with such of these grand ideas that the Mariners are on this path to the playoffs? Because they're winning without and those guys doing pitchers. anything,
1: Robert. Come on. I mean, like, look, I, I get it. I get some of the hesitance with Depota, but like over the last three years, they have been in 2019, not a good product. Last year, a good product. All things considered. I mean, they did not have a lot of help, but they were basically beguivering their way to in that expanded playoffs, not being that far out of it at the very end of it. They were a watchable product last year, and this year they're good. I mean, what more do you want?
2: I think John Morosi said that Ty France was one of the best signings in baseball.
1: Yes. In season.
2: And Evan White, to me, with the injury that he had, you can't you can't count his production this year.
1: Uh, you can't? I've already pulled the ripcord on Evan White. He wasn't
2: healthy from the start.
1: Kyle Lewis's injury, too, is not something to hold against Jerry DiPoto. Jared Kelnick's 21, and we heard Jerry say yesterday, he's like seven years younger than most major leaguers at this point in time. You know, a lot of these guys take a really long time to finally get to that major league level. you got to work through the minors, even if they're an early round draft pick. He almost hit a home run last night. You know, like, it, it, we're, look, you got to somewhat treat them with kid gloves at this point in time. But they're ten games above five hundred and who is a star on this team? Can you point to one player who is a baseball wide star on this team in the rotation, in the bullpen, in the lineup, and they're still ten games over five hundred. I I don't see how anyone can be looking at the direction of this organization and say, Oh yeah, they're not going to do it. And look, yeah, Jerry DePoto isn't proven. But I mean, don't you gotta give him time to prove himself? They were a team in twenty eighteen that were saddled with a ridiculous payroll for a bunch of olds like Robinson Cano and they had no farm system look where they're at now I get the 20 years looking back in the past of oh my god this is the worst how are, have we not been back to the playoffs but you gotta you gotta set it aside right now seriously I I'm, I'm getting a little tired of it and Robert I, I appreciate you calling in all the time but good God they're, they're 10 games over 500.
2: We've known from the beginning, and Jerry said from the beginning, some of the prospects will hit and some won't. It's too early to decide that. We'll see which ones do and which ones don't. But in the meantime, he's found so many diamond-in-the-rough kind of guys. Yes, that, Like, Paul Seawald was just a journeyman that no one expected anything from when he came over.
1: Chris Flexen was pitching in Bleeping Korea last year. Abraham Toro? DePoto said he's been watching that guy for a couple of years. Maybe I'm the biggest Jerry DePoto stand out here, but... Why shouldn't I be based off of what I've seen over the last two years? Give me that answer. We'll get back to that conversation about the Mariners at 1045. Up next, we're going to talk to Corbin Smith of Sports Illustrated about the Seattle Seahawks. He's out at training camp. This guy's sharp. He knows his football. What can we expect out of this coming game tomorrow night? We'll talk about that next. It's
0: 1030. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some frickin' toughness, you're gonna get your, you're gonna, you're gonna fail. With Paul on.
1: And into the pit we go on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline with the one and only Corbin Smith from Sports Illustrated. Corbin, happy Friday. How you doing, man? Good, Paul. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Always like talking football with you. Although, although I wish we were talking about a real football game Tomorrow. Uh, what what are you expecting out of the offense if we do even see the Seahawks starters out as has as has been hinted this week by one Pete Carroll?
0: Well, I would still think that they're going to be keeping a good portion of what we're going to see week one locked up. I don't anticipate it's going to be like any preseason game. I think you're going to see a pretty vanilla offensive approach. I would be surprised if we don't see Russell Wilson and a handful of the starters that haven't played at this point get at least a couple series. He'd like to be able to get them on the field just to be able to get a few plays in before your week 1 game against the Colts. So, I anticipate that we're going to see a pretty vanilla game plan, but maybe we'll see some tempo. We have seen them do that in the first two preseason games with their backups. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see that incorporated. I just I would think the schematics are going to be pretty vanilla.
1: Tempo is what I'm looking for as well, and hopefully they get, I don't know, first down so they they can actually establish that rhythm. That tempo. The position battle, Corbin, that I'm most intrigued by is at at cornerback. How concerned are you about the position? I'm not going to lie. I'm not feeling it right now. Obviously, DJ Reed's been injured and Trey Brown's also banged up at this point in time. But between Akella Witherspoon and and Trey Flowers, I I feel like I got to see more and we haven't quite seen it to this point in the preseason.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you with that latter statement there because, you know, it's interesting because Witherspoon and Flowers have both had really good training camp. Agreed. But when you look at the two preseason games, Flowers, I thought, played a lot better against the Broncos. Now, granted, he was only targeted one time, but I thought his coverage looked a lot better than it did against the Raiders where he gave up four receptions for over 40 yards and two of those drives to begin the game. The Raiders scored 10 points in this drive. So I feel like he's been very up and down, which really has been the story of his career to this point. He's just been plagued by inconsistency. And it kind of feels like we're to the point where it's like you know who, what you have with Trey Flowers It's season four. So you're comfortable in the sense that he's been in the scheme, but at the same time you haven't seen him take that leap that you've been hoping for for the last several seasons. It just hasn't happened. And Witherspoon, I think, is much the same way. Uh, you're talking about a very similar player in San Francisco that uh, – quite frankly, never was able to maintain a starting job there in part because for one, he got hurt frequently. And two, he was inconsistent. You have games where he looked like this is a future pro bowler. And then you have games where it's, you know, we're going to put him back on the sidelines because he's just not getting the job done. And unfortunately, he hasn't played all that well in the two preseason games either. So, it feels like that left cornerback spot is still kind of up for grabs. I think DJ Reed is the right corner even with missing a few right. weeks. He looked really good to start the preseason. So, I anticipate they're they're doing okay at that spot. I'm just curious how things are going to play out with Witherspoon, Flowers. And I'm going to throw one other name out there that isn't getting talked about much. Gavin Heslop has had a really good training camp, and I think he's looked good in the preseason games. I don't know what we're going to see from him Saturday, but they've been playing him some in the nickel too. It seems like he's a player from that group with everybody else kind of underwhelming a little bit, that he's been somebody that's stepped up to the occasion, and he's really put himself in the mix to win a roster spot.
1: I'm with you. I've liked what I've seen out of Heslip, and maybe they'll, they'd be able to stow him on the practice squad should he not make the final 53. They did bring in John Reed, of course, too, the fourth-round pick of the Houston Texans uh, last year. So, yeah, we'll see how that positional battle ends up going. As far as Corbin with the two hold-ins at this point in time, say the Seahawks continue to play hardball. Do you expect, and this is guessing at this point, I know it's all speculation, it does seem like things are getting a little bit rosier on the Dwayne Brown front, but do you expect either Dwayne Brown or Quandre Diggs to actually sit out a game?
0: No, absolutely not. And neither neither one of those guys is going to skip out on their money. That's not going to happen. I, I expect the Brown situation to be resolved pretty quickly, and I would anticipate it's going to be finding a way to – add a signing bonus of some sort onto this year to give him a little extra financial incentive. It just seems like they are very hesitant to add an additional year onto his contract right now. And I can understand both sides of the equation here because from Brown's perspective, Hey, I had a great 2020 season. I'm still in peak shape. I feel like I can play several more seasons. The Seahawks, though, they know that there are only two tackles in the league that are older than 34 that are still starting in the NFL. Brown is one of them, and Whitworth is the other one. And so you want to play that year-to-year proposition with a player that age. So you can understand both sides. I think they'll find a financial way to – make this a little sweeter deal for Brown this season and then revisit re-signing him once the year's over with.
1: That definitely could be a way that they go. There's a part of me, though, Corbin, that looks at the lack of options that Seattle's going to have next offseason, given there's no first-round pick. That's traditionally where you're going to find a tackle that at least can play on the left side, and on top of that, that, you know, you mm-hmm. don't find these guys in free agency. You generally have to overpay if you're going to get one via a trade, whether it's Orlando Brown or, like, the Texas' trade, two first-round picks for Laramie Tunsil, who's not even necessarily a top five tackle in this league I, again that's objective but I, I, I think that because of that it might make a little sense to give Brown that extension you push some money in the back and then you'd also still have a little bit of cap flexibility to potentially add someone like Geno Atkins or maybe even a KJ Wright or somebody else that might be a surprise cut when we see things trimmed down to 53 in a couple of days.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you on that sense. I've been saying for months that I think Brown deserves an extension. I think that you can see Seattle's viewpoint though as well here. I mean, this this is it's a position that, like I said. Uh, players, once they get past 33-34, there aren't many of them that continue to play at a high level. Now, Dwayne Brown very well could be this similar unicorn that Andrew Whitworth is and play at an elite level deep into his 30s, and I would never put it past him. But I can understand why Seattle's a little bit hesitant to do that. At the same time, you look at the depth behind him at that position right now, I don't think there's necessarily a guy on the roster. Maybe Forsyth in a year or two can be the starter, but certainly he's not ready right now. No. So no. That, that That makes it a bit bleak at that position.
1: He is Corbin Smith at Corbin Smith NFL covering the Seahawks for Sports Illustrated. You also can hear him talk on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. Corbin, it's always a pleasure. And we'll be talking about some real football in just a little bit. So thank you so much for joining me on this thank Friday. Goodness.
0: Only four quarters left of the preseason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same page on that. Have a great weekend, buddy. You too. Thanks, man. That is Corbin Smith, everybody. Again, at Corbin Smith NFL on Twitter. Okay. We're going to get back into some Seattle Mariners next. Yusei Kikuchi's option, is that something that you'd be willing to pick up still? Or have the last two months been just simply a rough stretch that he's going to be able to pull himself out of? And also some reaction to Robert and Kingsgate's call about the Mariners and the Jerry Depoto regime. Some mixed reactions on the text line that I'm surprised by. We'll dive into all of those next on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You're listening to Paul Gallant, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio,
0: every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle.
1: The most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, a good text from the 206, a lengthy one, but I like it. And it has to do with the conversation I had just a moment ago, because one of the questions that we're trying to answer today is with Yusei Kikuchi struggling of late, do you want to pick up that option? It's four years, 66 million dollars. Some people are saying yes, some people are saying no. I would say at this point in time right now, no, but you all know me. I am Flip Flop McGee. This text has to do, though, with some potential other options in free agency. And I guess the notion that maybe if you decide to sign a big name free agent, you would be going all in. I like the direction and moves DePoto has made. I just want the front office to come clean about the realistic time frame. Fans are expecting them... To go all in next year. And I'm not sure that is the smartest move. Paul what do you think? I don't think that signing one big name free agent. Is necessarily. Going all in. I think it's more a sign that. We're ready. Because you want to make yourself attractive. To. Players across baseball. And let's be honest. The Mariners haven't been that. For whatever factor you want to point to. This has not been a draw necessarily for free agents outside of with Robinson Cano, right? And with anyone else, you, you, you haven't you haven't really seen that. So, okay, how do you get guys to want to come here? I think one of the ways that you do is you show that you're willing to spend. You did it in 2013. I mean, you signed Robinson Cano to a ridiculous deal. 10 years, $240 million. You're going to have to offer north of that, probably, to get some of the big names that are out there. There's a ton of shortstops. There's Chris Bryant. There's Carlos Correa. And they're going to be looking for a lot, especially with how some of the guys got paid this past offseason. I, it's not just an all-in move for now. It is a This is a complimentary veteran piece to a young team that I think is going to grow around this guy. Look at the Toronto Blue Jays and what they did last offseason. Or I guess this this past offseason? Yeah. Six years and $150 million to George Springer, who I think is a tremendous baseball player. When they already have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and um, Bichette and uh, who's the other kid? Uh, I guess Bichio. Kevin is not that good, though. But they have a bunch of really young players that are good that are getting better and and then they add the next piece. The Mariners are further off than that because Julio Rodriguez. God, speak English, Paul. Julio Rodriguez it doesn't seem like the timeline is that is one that's going to see him by the end of the year, especially now with the Mariners contending. Um, you obviously look at Noelvi Marte. He's nineteen. How far away is he from joining? If you're playing like this, though, you do want to keep it going in some way, shape, or form just so that you can make yourself attractive to potentially some veteran guys that aren't going to be getting top dollar on the open market. And I, I, I do think that you want to be, if not necessarily going all in, I would say that you want to appear very flamboyant this offseason and that you want to be looking like you are willing to throw cash at anybody. The text continues, Depoto is making great moves, but should we really go in? for next year? And if not, can the front office quit building that expectation? Be uh, bleeping, I believe, honest with the fans. We are still a year or two away from truly competing for a World Series, and that's if things go well. Yeah, I I don't think it's necessarily next year, but I have brought this up before. I do see some similarities between this team and the 2015 Houston Astros, where you're starting to see some of the younger players coming up. They're not necessarily dominating in the way that you saw definitely from Jose Altuve and George Springer were starting to uh, with that team, but I, I, I get some of the same vibes in that all of a sudden this team is starting to gel together in a way that is creating inexplicably good baseball, and that's where you can point at chemistry and all the other weird things that are perhaps a bigger factor in baseball than in other sports. Uh, what else do we got? 710 on the Jackson Spring Company text line. I wouldn't take Carlos Correa if he offered to play pro bono. Oh come on, that's 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 bogus. I understand some reservations about bringing in an ex-a- an ex Astro. I will say this considering what a heel he has been, the guy's actually delivered. His big issue, though, is he gets hurt a lot. So I can understand some reservations on a serious note from that. Uh, Going back to the question of today's show, and it has to do with Yusei Kikuchi. Kikuchi, whether or not you would extend him. Pick up Kikuchi's option based on how many free agents really want to go to the Mariners. That's a good point. That's a good counterpoint. And honestly, that sort of goes with what I'm saying. If he does live up, to what he can be four years and 66 million dollars is a bargain but are you betting on that to happen because it's happened in spurts but if it doesn't happen for a full season is that something that you want to be i hate to say it like this saddled with i'm not so sure 710, 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. I hope the Mariners don't try to sell us on Dunn and Sheffield as starters next season. No, I mean, actually, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Justice Sheffield has been talking about if he comes back, he is going to be working out of the bullpen. I do think that they should re-sign Tyler Anderson as this texture continues. Right now, your rotation, it's not bad. The problem is the two guys that I think have the most upside are struggling. Kikuchi, who, when he's on, he is on. He just needs like a confidence boost. He's sort of like Trey Flowers on that front. Flowers, he, he 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 shines and bursts every now and then. Although you know what, Flowers is not a fair comparison for Yusei Kakuchi. Kakuchi is a better is better at his sport than Flowers is at his. Um, and then with Logan Gilbert too, like that's the other guy with the high upside that you're hoping is able to turn things around. Big thanks to everybody who tuned into today's edition of the Ball Galan Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Corbin Smith who stopped by from Sports Illustrated. Check out his work at Corbin Smith. NFL, Maura Dooley, who produces this thing every single day, and our good friend Robert in Kingsgate, who at the very least knows how to rile us all up. We appreciate you, Robert, and our texters and our tweeters. I am really Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy are next. Have yourselves a wonderful Blue Friday.